This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Each year, U.S. News & World Report publishes a ranking of the top countries around the world based on a variety of criteria. That report brought together by Wharton Marketing Professor Dave Riemstein, who is joining us in studio to go over the new list. Good to see you again. Glad to be here. Uh, Let's start out, I guess, with the history of doing this report. What was it that got you started looking at it? Well, for a long time, I've been studying brands and trying to think about where brands get get their panache, where it is they they get a following. And, And part of a brand is often where it comes from. And so when we see wine that comes from France, we go, oh, it must be a great wine. Or shoes that come from Italy, oh, that must be great. And so a country... And its production of products contributes to the brand of those particular products that that come out of it. I started thinking about, well, is there a brand of a country? And how does that contribute to the economy of that country? And so I started talking about that. I gave a presentation up at um, WPP uh, in New York. They got excited. It ended up, you know, we we ended up talking to U.S. News, mm-hmm. um, and before you know it, uh, those two are, uh, were supportive of of doing this on a global scale. So then, when you're doing this report, you're ranking these countries on, on a variety of different criteria, correct? So we have a whole bunch of different criteria. We've been doing this now for the last five years. So we have five years of data. Mm-hmm. We do a survey of approximately twenty one thousand people from around the world. And we ask them to rate various different countries across 65 different dimensions. And we use that. We take those data of each of those dimensions. We compress those to nine basic factors. Mm -hmm. And then we see how correlated they are with GDP per capita. And that's what it is that ends up leading to the overall ranking. All right, so let's look at some of these countries right now. Uh, Switzerland is at the top of the list, and, and they were there last year, and they're again there this year. Why so? You know, it, Switzerland is really interesting because as we look at all the dimensions, they're number one on none of them, which is, yeah. but they are consistently high on a whole set of different dimensions. So, for example, open for business, they're pretty high. They're the number two country in the world in terms of being open for business. And and that obviously gives them lots of credit uh, on that particular dimension, and that's a real important dimension. Entrepreneurship, they're high on that dimension as well. Um, and, and so they're really strong there. And quality of life, it is viewed as, I mean, it, it's obviously a, a very neutral country. Yeah. yeah. Uh, viewed as a very clean country, viewed as a very safe country. And all of those contribute to this sense of a high quality of life. And they're in the top 10 with that as well. So consistently, they have been good across the board, short of great on any one dimension. We're seeing probably a little bit of that this week because of the, the conference at Davos. And, yeah. and that's probably part of the reason why why the conference is there. It, it, it contributes to that image, by the way, of, uh, of Switzerland. Great place to put your money, the banking industry that happens there. Um, great precision that they have, hence their watches that we see, or their watches, hence our our, our sense of precision. You know, their trains run right on time. Well, the the business element obviously is part of that, but but how much does the government, the country's government, factor into this idea of brand and what they want to to, to show 
to around the world? I, I think government plays a huge role in it and w what the government policies are, but also what it is that they invest in and make sure that uh, exists within their country. Neutrality of Switzerland, that's a government decision. Sure. So yeah. uh, the government plays a huge role. All right. Canada is second on the list. Uh, I guess they, they were third a year ago, so they, they moved up a spot. Uh, what is it that, that continually keeps Canada near the top of the list? So the first year we ever did this, um, it turns out Canada was second. Um, the second year we did it, second. The third year we did it, second. Uh, last year they slipped just a little bit because mm -hmm. Japan you know, had uh, crept ahead of them. Right. Um, but it, it turns out they are viewed as a great quality of life. So they are the number one country in the world in terms of quality of life. And, and people, again, you know, when I think about quality of life, a good job market, affordable, economically stable, great family life, income equality, and, you know, those are all some of the dimensions that contribute to quality of life. And people view uh, Canada as extremely strong on, on that dimension. And so we've seen some, uh, some improvement in their perception globally mm -hmm. from last year to this year, which is what took them from number three to number two. Well, but, but Japan then dropped. So was there anything specifically that, that Japan did that, that knocked them from third? Because I'm sure some of these criteria... They, they kind of have a, a, a natural flow to them anyway that just, you know, a, a, a minor success in one area may, may move a country from one spot to the next. So, you know, it's interesting. You can have, first of all, brands generally don't change very, very quickly. I heard you just report about IBM thinking, boy, that's a brand that's been around sure. forever. Yeah. They, you know, and the Toyota recall that you had. The Toyota brand isn't going to be harmed that much. Right. Um, if, if they have a big, you know, if we have a big oil spill, like the old uh, BP oil spill, that has a, a big negative impact. Yeah. But in general, you don't see major movement happening. I think the thing that happened with Japan is not much change about the perception of Japan. The perceptions of Canada went up across a, a number of dimensions, and they eked ahead of Japan. I remember uh, sitting here with you a year ago talking about this report, and at that point, the U.S. was number eight on your list out of, out of 80 countries. They're number seven this year. And, and I remember talking to you about this, that, that I was a little surprised that, that the U.S. was at, at number eight. But give us a sense of, of what is the dynamic that puts the U.S. in the, in the location where they are. So, you know, I, by the way, I was a little bit surprised that they went up. Um, yep. you know, and part of my surprise is that I live here in the United States. And yep. one of the things that I've done with the data is we have a, a huge sample from around the world. I've looked at how do Americans feel about the U.S.? Okay. And actually, their internal perception is down. I happen to live in America. I, I, and my perception is, oh, I figured we had to be down. I was surprised to see we went up a little bit. Where did we go up? We are viewed as more open for business, um, which mm. surprises me. And, and um, now, we're not high in that ranking. We, we are number 45 in, uh, out of the 80 countries, or this year, 77 countries that we ranked. Right. Um, but it was better than where we had been. 
and the quality of life went up a little bit as well. Right. So those are all dimensions that contribute to it, even though internally that's not how we're looking well, at it. Well, right, and that, that ties to some of the, the economic data, I would imagine, that we've seen play out over the last few months. Unemployment lower, the wages getting a little better and probably not where we need them to be. But that being said, when you talk about something like the the strife that we see politically between Democrats and Republicans here in this country, and obviously the concern by many people of who is in office as president right now, how much potentially does that impact into this data that, that you put together? So when we first did this ranking five years ago, it, it turns out the U.S. was number four. And we delayed the next year's ranking till right after the election. Right. And we saw the U.S. drop to number seven. And and then it dropped to number eight. And I believe a great part of that was because of who, you know, the contentiousness that yeah. we have. And everybody, you know, we're not keeping our dirt under the covers. It's being very, very visibly displayed for the world to see. And that has an, an impact on perceptions. I think it's somewhat stabilized. They get a hint of who it is that we are. Yeah. But... They see our, our economy and the vibrancy of what's going on and the unemployment and, and how it has dropped, and they think thing, things have got to be pretty good here. One thing that actually just caught my attention I wanted to bring up is right ahead of the U.S. is the U.K., which is going through a unique time right now because of Brexit and, and all of the, the, the political machinations that they have had to deal with over the last three years in dealing with all of this dynamic at play. A couple of years ago, I presented these results um, the results from two years ago in front of a group of 40 ambassadors to the United States. So I went down to Washington and gave, the, gave this presentation. I was asked the question, what was the biggest surprise? And at that time, my answer was, my biggest surprise was that the UK had not fallen more than it had. Right. And what it is that we've seen is they've gone from number three to number four to number five, and now they're you know they're number six, and they you know they continue to have all this turmoil. Yeah. You ask the question: Does government have an impact? Well, the whole Brexit vote and how the government is in strife there is is affecting the UK perceptions. We're joined by Dave Reebstein in studio. By the way, you can uh, see the report that uh, he has put together on the U.S. News website, usnews.com. And if you put in best countries, you will be able to find this year's uh, rankings for 2020. Uh, the biggest jump, I guess, there were there were a couple of countries that I saw that made like a two-slot jump, but I found it interesting that Australia ha had done a pretty good job, and, and they were up to fifth in this ranking. Give us an overview of Australia and, and what puts them in the top five. So first of all, I want to point out that when we collected this data was in September, October, and uh, it, that was basic, uh, basically when it was. So it was before all the fires. Sure. And, right, and yeah. so you know the the you know the hardships that they have right now was before that. So while Australia has gotten a lot of publicity in their humanitarian treatment of you know of all the animals that they can try and, and save, that hasn't even been factored into this. I'm going to be really curious to see what happens to Australia next year. Have you seen a dynamic at play in these rankings where there has been a significant natural disaster that has had an impact on, on, on the rankings? So you say a natural disaster. I've seen a, a, a non-natural disaster okay. where we had... You know, some of the terrorist activity that happened sure. in France. Right. And so we've got these major factors that are, like I've mentioned, like quality of life, et cetera. But right. we've got all these attributes that feed into them. 
with the terrorism that happened in France, with the truck driving down, yeah. you know, the uh, in Nice, I believe it was. It, it was in Nice, and and then continue, uh, you know, strife happening in Paris. Yeah, I saw a dramatic drop in the perception of safety, and that ended up contributing to France falling down. And so events happen. We get to see what it is that's going on. The first year we did this, Germany was ranked number one. Right. Then they took in one million refugees. And, really? And they had uh, the Volkswagen scandal. Yes. And yeah. we saw Germany fall from number one down to number four. And so I think, you know, I, I can't specifically say this caused that because all I'm measuring are, are perceptions and not you know, event-related. Right. But we see these events and we see the change in the perceptions that's going on. The Netherlands is in the top ten. And when you, I guess when you think of all of the the rather well-publicized countries that are in the top 10, the Netherlands sneaks in there at number nine. What was it about the Netherlands that puts them at that ranking? So the Netherlands has always been relatively high in, in the rankings. Right. That, you know, they now have cracked into the top 10, as you commented. All the Scandinavian countries are always viewed as sort of, again, not a lot of strife, healthy living, yeah. very concerned about the environment. That plays very much for the Netherlands as well. They had a big jump in terms of sort of citizenship. And what does that mean? Citizenship is really referring to uh, cares about human rights, cares about the environment, gender equality. Those are all things that sort of contribute to the perception of, of uh, citizenship. Mm -hmm. Netherlands is viewed even more so than ever as a citizen of the world. They're currently number five in terms of citizenship, or number four in terms of citizenship. It is interesting that now that you note that, that the Nordic countries, really, the majority of them are, are here in the top ten. Because you have Norway at number 10, Netherlands at number 9, Sweden is number 8, and we mentioned Switzerland, which is at the top spot. So that region... Uh, of the world is doing something exceptional when you're talking about the, the mindset and the lifestyle that uh, that those people have in that part of the world. And I'll throw Denmark in as number 13. Yeah. And and so right there, it is it is viewed as not having any strife. It's just a, a great quality of life that happened to exist there. Dave Riebstein joining us here in studio. Uh, you mentioned France just a moment ago with the, with some of the terrorism issues that had occurred. France falls out of the top 10, and I'm, I'm wondering if part of that is tied to the unrest that they had over the last few months with the, uh, with the Yellow Vest protests. Yeah, so there's no question that that has played a role. Uh, again, I'm not able to measure events as they happen to have a particular impact, yeah. but we see things that happen, yeah. and we see the change in the perceptions. I think you're spot on in that observation. Yeah. No, no question about and, it. And especially considering, I, I having talked about this, you know, in, in months prior, uh, there was a concern around tourism, you know, on a place like the Champs-Élysées of people being impacted and, and being caught in some of these protests, which many of them were, were violent protests. So the whole the whole point of these rankings are how does the brand contribute to the economy of the country? Yeah. And I'm looking specifically at GDP per capita, but that's made up to a large degree by tourism, foreign yeah. direct trade, uh, foreign direct investment and, and foreign trade. And there, as I saw the perception of safety fall, what it is that we saw was um, tourism going down by over 20%. How do you then rate the dynamic between 
numbers like GDP that are kind of known quantities that you will be factoring in every year with something like a protest or a natural disaster, which obviously is not a normal occurrence in in the scope of a, of a country's annual uh, annual uh, success or failures. Yeah, so those are things that are hard for the countries to control, yeah. but, it, but it has an impact on those known numbers that you're talking about. Just as for, you know, I, I draw these parallels all the time with company brands, just as we see you know, when there's that recall at Toyota of, would you say, 3.4? 3.4 million, yeah. Yeah, that's going to have an impact on the numbers, in the, uh, you know, for Toyota. Yeah. So we absolutely see that. The General Motors delay that you talked about also, you know, that we see that having an impact as well. A couple more things. Uh, I, I noticed that <coughs> Austria was not ranked last year, but number 19 this year. So give us the dynamic of how they were not ranked last year and how they rank relatively high in the top 20 this year. So we have very specific criteria of who gets in the rankings altogether because okay. we've been ranking only 80 countries and there's close to 200 countries in the world. So wait a minute, why aren't we ranking all 200? And right. part of the answer is it's hard to get everybody to evaluate 200 countries. Right. So we take what represents about 95% of the world's GDP. There are four criteria to be one of the countries that are con, uh, considered. Be in the top 100 in tourism, be in the top 100 in foreign direct investment, and be in the, in the top 100 in foreign trade, and be in the top 150 in the Human Development Index. Right. That had been 80 countries this year. It was 77 countries. But one of the countries that did not make the list previously was Austria. Austria now qualifies on those four dimensions, hence they they get in there. So they've been doing some some very good things in those areas to improve the overall operation of uh, of the country. That's right. Uh, f finally, when you do a report like this, are are there countries that end up being big surprises, either positive or negative? That, that pop onto the list? So there are always some surprises. I mentioned before, I was surprised that the UK did not fall more. Yeah. Uh, I actually was surprised to see Japan that went up as much as it did last year. Um, the biggest surprise within that when I looked at it was um, of all the countries, almost every country evaluates themselves more than, uh, than the external evaluation of them. I'm writing an article called Mirror, Mirror, how we see ourselves versus sure. how sure. others see us. Japan ranked themselves lower than the rest of the world, yeah. Which, which, yeah. which was fascinating for me to see. To me, the big surprise this year is that the U.S. went up. Because of all the dynamics at play here in That's this right. country. Yeah. Dave, this is a great report. And again, I, I invite people to take a look at it. It's on the U.S. News website, usnews.com. And if you put it in, in the search bar, uh, best countries, you'll be able to uh, find it. Uh, and it's, it's a good look at, at all of these different countries and some of the dynamics that are at play uh, in each one of them. And again, Switzerland at the top of the list, Canada second, Japan third, the U.S. coming in at number seven. Great seeing you. Thanks for coming in. Glad to be back here. Thank you. And we'll Thanks. see you on this in another year, but I know we'll see you before then uh, on other topics as well. That's right. Dave Reebstein, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.